Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Hello, Viola Nation. Mike and Tito back again for another one of these things. I am just coming back from Firenze and a Fiorentina game. A lot of good stuff that we will cover very soon. Tito, let me know, though. Did you miss me? Yeah, Mike, I missed you. It's uh, it's just not the same uh, watching games without getting the... Uh, eight dozen texts from you every five minutes about uh, what's going on and blowing me up. So yeah, yeah, it was real different. It, I felt the absence uh, very strongly while you were out, but glad you made, glad you made it over there. And I'm definitely going to be, uh, be coming with you next time. Well, next time is already in the works. Uh, I think I already mentioned it to you, June of 2023 for Calcio Storico. That's when it's happening. Dang. That. That's going to be a party, I imagine. I'm I'm glad you're going to do that, and uh, definitely, uh, definitely let us know what you see. And also, which uh, which quarter are you supporting? Oh, it has to be the Rossi. That's the deal I made. I mean, when I sit down and I'm sitting there with with Ricardo Labui, the guy's six foot three, six foot four, uh, just just chiseled out of marble. Uh, guy. So we we go out to it's a quick story. We go out to lunch. I take him out to lunch, and uh, it's, it's me, him, and uh, Amalia Culp, a uh, friend of, of Viola Nation, uh, actress extraordinaire, just finished up two movies and, and going into another two. Um, but we're, we, we, we ironically went to Trattoria de Tito, which I told you I would take you to. Ah, dang it. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the guy literally comes from the hospital after getting an operation. Yep. Well, well, what kind of operation are we talking about? I'm not getting into that, but I'm just telling you what type of guy he is. He comes from the hospital out of town, right to meet me 
after an operation. Dang. Yeah. So I just got one question before we actually get into Fiorentina stuff here. Is he beefier than Igor? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I don't know if his legs now, now see here's the difference. Le- legs wise, Igor's I I haven't seen legs the size of Igor's in a long time. Uh how tall is Igor? Do you know? Uh, I think about six one. So he's probably an inch or two taller. Um, the the dude is definitely more ripped, cut uh, in his upper body. Uh, I think his lower body is probably a little bit under. You know what Igor has those those legs are are Herculean at that point. Good adjective. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I I I wouldn't be surprised if you put them both in front of you. No matter what you're doing, you're still running away. Whatever direction they're in, you're running the other way. I think you might be onto something there. And uh, yep. we'll tell you what, man, we're talking Rossi, we're talking Igor, we're talking running away from uh, scary things. And we're recording this right after the Milan Fiorentina game. Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and jump into that. Just a real quick recap. Obviously, we uh, haven't sat down and analyzed it real hard. But what, what what were your takeaways from that? Anything really stand out to you? The The takeaways that I have from it, overwhelmingly, very positive. Very, very positive. I think that the the trajectory that we are coming off of over the past three weeks is overwhelmingly positive. And it was something that kept building on itself. And it helped that we had, you know, played Scotland team twice and, and we played, you know, team from Latvia. We played a lot of teams um, at the bottom of the table. So this was really the the game where we were going to see how we are doing. Can we compete with a team like Milan, who's now sitting second in the table? I, I was very, very impressed. I thought we took it to them in the San Siro. Um, we're still missing some players. We're still doing, you know, filling this rotation out. We had our best striker uh, and our best winger on the bench. And we still took it to them the entire game. And we should have won it. No doubt about it. But I, that's not the biggest thing from my standpoint that I take out of it. Like my biggest gripe is that the World Cup is coming at the wrong time. Absolutely the wrong time. You know, if we had another couple weeks where we could keep this um, this form going, I think we would see another, you know, seven points from three games, maybe nine points from three games. I mean, I think we're in great form. Yeah, I feel like the... World Cup break is hitting Fiorentina at as as bad a time as any team in the world right now. Uh, yeah, five straight wins before this one, and I, I'm I'm with you. I think that Fiorentina probably deserved to win that. Some yeah. truly mystifying refereeing decisions. Uh, Michael Fabri, the VAR official who didn't give a penalty for Fikayo Tomori sliding in from behind on Jonathan Nicone. Sliding Every in week. from behind or sliding in through? Both. Both. Why not both? Doc Giff. Uh, yeah, every week a new adventure with these referees. It feels like uh, the past four or five league games, Fiorentina have really gotten the short end of the stick. And uh, getting to stew on that over the next, uh, what is it, 52 days, I believe it is, before the Viola play again. Not looking forward to that part. But uh, yeah, jumping in a little bit, or jumping back a little bit, rather, what you said i'm with you i think they've improved i think this game is evidence and i think what really stood out to me more than anything was they lost 
three starters uh, in the first 15 minutes. Uh, Lucas Martinez Cuarta and Giacomo Bonaventura both pulled up with injuries during the pre-match warmups. And then Dodo had to come out with an injury after a quarter hour. And most teams, they lose three starters that quickly. It's going to really disrupt everything, and they're they're going to have a hard time competing. And this uh, this Fiorentina didn't miss a beat, even with Lorenzo Venuti in there having a fantastic game. By the way, who, who think, would have which, thought that would have happened? Boy, did he need that more than yep. anyone. I'm I'm just so happy for him. Yep, uh, fantastic goal line clearance. I I cackled when that happened. It's a, it's a good thing that my uh, my spouse is out of town, or she would have been a little concerned <laughs> with uh, with the noises I was making there. But yeah, no, I, I think that attitude is really the difference. Like the the players seem like they're really dialed in. They seem like they understand their roles. And it seems like they're all just working their tails off. And I don't think that was the case through the first month, two months of the season. So real credit to the guys, real credit to uh, Vincenzo Italiano also for uh, for getting that turned around. And yeah, I, I think you're right about the World Cup break disrupting that momentum. Uh I feel like uh, going in even with a draw from Milan would be a real different emotional state than having to stew over this loss for for so long. And uh, I mean, I, I think that these guys are probably tough enough to not let it really affect them that much. But man, it just it just tears you up, you know, to to, to have to go in like that. And uh, you know, hopefully none of the guys at the World Cup get hurt. Hopefully no one else gets hurt. Hopefully. Uh, Ricardo Sotil, Gaetano Castrovilli, and then now Dodo and Martinez Cuarta and Bonaventura and Diego Gonzalez and Shimon Zerkovsky, who is, you know, clearly very badly injured, which is the really? only reason he's not playing. Uh, hopefully yep. they all get healthy and really help this team uh, uh, turn things around once we restart in January. Hey, you know, uh, one of the things that we can take away from uh, this week was we had a victory. We had a great performance today, and, and I know it turned into a loss, but that was clearly not as a result, a direct result of the performance that we had. We should have at least had a draw, should have had a win. Um, you know, the, the second thing that I'll mention is that Italy played Australia in rugby uh, two days ago. I don't know if you got to see that. But there were a lot of Fiorentina players that showed up together, sat in the press box, uh, the owner's box, uh, the suite there, together. At, they, they at the Franchi, too. Yeah, that was, that was really cool seeing Italy, Australia in the Franchi as a, as a former rugby player. Yeah. I'm, I'm real into it. I, I did get to meet those guys, by the way. Um, naturally. 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 I mean, that's, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll introduce you next time that you're there. Um, but... It, it, it's a different feel that I, I wrote an article a couple weeks ago talking about culture. And uh, I made a couple posts on social media talking about culture. To me, the culture of this cha- this team has changed. The culture of the organization is changing. Uh, and I, I think that that's really one of the biggest disciplinary things that's going on that's leading towards the performance on the pitch that's driving our points uh, season total up. And, and, and I, I has to be what's going to hopefully continue come January. If it does, I think we're in a great spot because we we have to invest in this team come January, right? Two games in, in Europe, great performances recently, only means one thing, investment, 
right? Right? Crickets? No. Now we're just going to hold this silence for a little bit longer because we all know how this is going to end because it's Fiorentina, right? <laughs> so just going to hold that a little longer. Let's all savor it. Really swirl it around in your glass. <laughs> Inhale the aromas. Check the legs on that sadness. That's good sadness right there. Mm. Uh, anyways, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think the culture has really, really changed and improved recently. Uh, I, I think it's obviously down to one guy and it's that Antonio Rosati has taken over a coaching staff role <laughs> and has turned everything around. And I, there is nothing anyone can do to convince me otherwise. Uh, but, but speaking of coaching, I think the other big adjustment we've seen over the past few weeks has been more of a, a, a tactical one. I'd argue there's basically two features to this uh, this change. The first is a little bit of a shift in the formation, mm-hmm. kind of tilting that midfield triangle. And the other one is more the uh, the pace of the build-up play. So which one of those you want to tackle first? Well, uh, I don't know if we want to go with something that you're a little bit more um, educated on or something that I've been more vocal about um actually let's let's go let's play like a little bit of survey uh mr producer mike one will be for what tito is much more educated on two fingers will be what i have been more passionate about ah that's Why? he's telling us we're number one okay I think that's, he's definitely giving us a big old number one that's yeah, yeah producer mike that. so supportive of us i love <laughs> love having producer mike here he wants to start with your strength which <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hey, 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 Mike, which one's my strength again? Uh, the support and, and dedication of producer Mike. Definitely. More, oh, moral right, support. Right, right. Yeah. Cool. cool moral cool. support. We'll tell you what. Let's, let's talk about moving that midfield triangle a little bit. And uh, Fiorentina moving to more of a 4-2-3-1. Uh, and I, I don't think it's any huge surprise that Giacomo Bonaventura has just looked like a whole different player since that happened. Uh, I, I think because he's starting a little bit higher up the field. Uh, it means that he is not just sitting outside of the box all the time and generally taking long shots with his weaker foot, which was something that was just driving me nuts this year because I felt like he was doing it two or three times a game and either putting him way off target or getting him blocked and sending the uh, the other team countering the other way. So having him higher up means that he's in a better position to make those runs into the box towards the six and get onto uh, cutbacks, late crosses and I think we've seen those late runs have paid dividends. He scored his past two games on pretty much the exact same run, which has been funny. I, I think it also means he doesn't have to uh, track back as much. He's uh, starting up. He's occasionally pressing almost as a second forward, pressing the opposing center backs, although he's still he's definitely still getting through a lot of running. So I think that's made a huge difference, having him or Antonin Barak, who, again, scored playing that number 10 role today. today yep because he got into the box he, he dictated play man he, yeah, he, he was, was the he maestro was wonderful uh, yep. that's without a doubt his best performance for fiorentina but i i think a lot of that again is that that appreciation of space those late runs into the box they're really hard for a defense to track and i think it helps a lot uh it also means that there's less of a goal scoring burden placed on a guy like jonathan icone who's Never been a prolific goal scorer for reasons I think we're all uh, pretty aware of, mostly that he cannot shoot to save his life. He must have the f- smallest feet in the world. That, that's what it, <laughs> it, it has to be, that he has the smallest feet in the world. 
I, I mean, he's, he's an incredible player. This isn't me knocking Jonathan Iconic, and he's no. been magnificent the past couple of weeks, I think. It, there's, there's no surprise that since we have been on an absolute tear, that his performance has gone up and through the roof. It is. He's and been I, a huge part of that. He has, and I think a big part of it has been this change in formation because he can now stay wider and act more as a more as a playmaker, as a yes. guy who's going to create those chances. He'll drop deep and uh, just keep the ball moving and then dribble occasionally make that run in behind, beat people off the dribble. So he he's not being relied on as a goal threat as much because there's another player to do that. And I think that's really taken a lot of pressure off him, and it, it shows in his performances. Uh, and then further back, I'm, I think that uh, dropping another midfielder into a more defensive role next to Sofian Amrabat has helped a lot. It means that the defense isn't nearly as exposed on the counter a lot of the time, and that's only a good thing. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I haven't been super impressed with Rolando Mondragora in that role. He's had a few nice moments. Thank you. But I agree. I mean, and it, he, he's a weird player, too, because, like, I look at the numbers oh. on, like, FB ref, and he's doing stuff well. It just stuff. it just never seems to show up on the field to me. I think I would much prefer Alfred Duncan there. Agreed. But, again, I think that having that extra guy a little bit deeper helps a lot. It also means that you have that extra guy deeper. If you get the ball from the back and you start deeper, the opponent either has to commit another defender forward to press you, or that midfielder has a lot more space to turn and advance the ball and carry the ball into before picking a pass. Mm -hmm. And I think that's made Fiorentina look a lot more fluent uh, getting through the lines. So that's uh, I get sorry, that was a... Uh, probably a wholly unnecessary five minutes on some uh, tactical nuances that aren't that interesting for anyone. So I apologize. Uh, you, you got anything you want to add, Mike? The only thing that I'll add is, is on the personnel side. I think the personnel is much more situated, more conducive to this formation than it was the four, three, three. Um, and we spent two months. Is that what it was? I guess two months at this point trying to force the situation in the 4-3-3 and players just weren't reacting well to it with the exception of, of Kwame. I think Kwame was somebody who excelled no matter what uh, outside of him and Amrabat uh, outside of those two players, unequivocally, everybody else has excelled over the past couple of weeks when we've kind of seen this shift in mentality formation and just a willingness to change. Yeah, no, I think that's a I think that's a fantastic point. Uh, I, I feel like it, and and credit to Italiana, right? I mean, I feel like I repeat this constantly, but he's still a very young coach, and he's still learning how to do this and figuring out what works and what doesn't. And the fact that he's adjusted like this and figured out a way, like, okay, what we were doing wasn't working. I'm going to make some changes and do things that I think will make players more comfortable in their roles. And it's worked. And I think that's a really, really good thing. And it uh, it shows a coach who's smart and thoughtful and not making changes just for the sake of it, but is really thinking about it. And uh, yeah, speaking of that, I think the other the other big tech change we've seen from Fiorentina is less about uh, roles and positions and more just about general approach. Uh, they're just they're just. Let me just oh, ask this ahead. question. Sorry. Yeah, no, let, me, let me just ask this question. Outside of the midfield, because I've been complaining for, for years about our midfields, what has been my other big, 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 big looping gripe since we've been doing this under Italiano? 
uh, Samuele Ritchie. Oh, well, he's not here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, right. No, that file that one under midfield again. Midfield. Um, uh, yeah. Playing everything through the wings. And, and, and just like a pitching wedge, taking it over there. And, and uh, yes. So, so at some point over the next three minutes, when we're discussing this segment, can we please just discuss the fact that we are no longer just lobbing balls after lobbing ball, after lobbing ball, after lobbing ball and playing much more direct. The balls are on the ground and the balls are to feet. The bat, the balls are actually getting where they need to go, which ends up in the goal. Yep. Yeah, right. I, I think you just nailed it. I just you just wanna... exp- no, that you just you just explained the whole thing. I think so much passion. Seen, yeah, no, which which we like, which we like around here. Which is why we're number one in Mike producer Mike's hand, you know hands. I mean, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think you're right. Though. I think Fiorentina have they haven't been playing the ball sideways quite as much. Uh, we haven't seen them just passing endlessly across the defense and dominating possession in the least threatening areas possible, which uh, I still think of as doing a Paulo Souza. Uh, and I, I think that's really made the difference. Uh, the, the defenders are really trying to move the ball forward. I think that moving that extra midfielder a little bit deeper to give them another short option to advance the ball has helped. So they don't only have to play down the wings. They can also now build through the middle. I think we're seeing a lot more ambition from the center backs in particular and trying to play those vertical passes into feet, like you said, mm-hmm. uh, into the into the forwards, and it's worked. It's worked fantastically well. At times, we almost—and I hate to say it this way because I know it sounds very, very ambitious and and overreaching—but at times we do look like Barcelona from the early 2010s, with, with with the ball being passed very, very quickly, one touch. At times, we do. Okay, I can't quite get there, but it's definitely been an improvement, I think. And uh, that's that's been really nice to see. And yeah, I, again, I'm not sure why Italiano took this long to change that. I'm, I assume it's a matter of control because or when he you didn't, ha- he, oh, he didn't have he didn't have Viola Station translated until about a month ago. <laughs> uh, something tells me that uh, this podcast isn't being played in the. Uh, oh, it is in the Fiorentina facilities very often these days, or if it is, it's definitely with the headphones in and looking around to make sure no one sees what you're listening to. But, uh, no, I think it's a, I mean, cause playing those vertical passes is inherently riskier, right? Like if you get those cut out, you're setting yourself up to be countered mm-hmm. very, very hard. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that Italiano has really tried to avoid. I think he understands that, you know, when you play a really high line, like Fiorentina do, and when you commit a lot of numbers forward, like Fiorentina do, mm-hmm. as soon as you lose the ball, it's going the other way, and the other team's probably going to have a good chance. And so minimizing those turnovers by just passing it safe, keeping it safe all the time, I think has been part of his strategy there. And I, I get that, but I think his willingness to take a few more risks to tell his guys, hey, just go for it. If we get scored on, we get scored on, but I'm pretty sure that our players are good enough to make it work and to get back in time. And, and he's been, we have a he's fast team. Right. Yeah, we, we do. Let's go back to the, to the players and the personnel that we have. We have a lot of really fast players. I would venture a guess that when you, when we're playing whatever team it is, you can put them against whatever. I would venture a guess that we probably have four of the top five fastest players on the pitch. 
I won't quite go that far, but I do think this is the the fastest overall this team has been since the Prandelli years. I mean, when Dodo, he, Dodo, yeah, Dodo's rapid. Ikone, Kuame, right there, top three. Tertic is, uh, I mean, he's not always real smart. He's impressed the he hell can, out of me the past month. He can motor. I have been very impressed with Tertic and seeing him live run down the, the when we were sitting, we were in the Tribuno. Oh, you did. So he was oh, running right was next right to us. was right in front of you, huh? He, he he had a phenomenal, phenomenal game, and he is not slow at all. He's a big boy, too. I, like, it doesn't come across on the on this TV screen how big he is, huh. but absolutely. And, and and absolutely. So, so Michael, producer Mike, thanks again. Nico Sotil. There's five of the fastest players on the pitch. You know pitch. who else I'm going to throw in there is uh, Sofian Amrabat. Because I feel like every game he has a moment where he tracks all the way back, and it's like someone fired a bald rocket out of a cannon. Like and he's, and he's incredible. So there we go. Yeah, speed. no, there's a lot of speed, and it's incredible. I mean, when you're playing a high line like that, you need guys who can get back and recover. Igor, Igor, Igor uh, Nikola Milenkovic are all very quick for central defenders. Yeah. So I, I think that that's made a huge difference, and yeah, I think. This is I think the now we're playing Fiorentina to our strength for a long time, and yeah, no, we're I playing think to our vertical... strength. We have a lot of guys yeah. who can who can dribble with the ball at their feet. That's Akone. Akone should not be trying to shoot the ball anywhere near the goal. Like every once in a while, it works, but that's probably because he was passing it somewhere else. But that's exactly the time that it goes in. Other than that, let him do what he does. He's a magician with the ball at his feet, it, and and he's so goddamn quick. I, I think uh, the, the final tactical adjustment to really bring the best out of Johnny Agone, I think, is you get a ball boy to just stand right behind the back post at all times and tell Agone to firmly pass him the ball instead of shoot. And I bet you he would be fantastic at it. What about hearing the words Joka, Joka, Joka? Think that would help? No, no, I don't. No, I don't. On the plus side, hey, we are getting to that part of the Serie A season where uh, coaches are going to get fired, and I, I bet you that our old friend Beppe is going to be back, back in a job pretty soon. So that's exciting. Looking forward to hearing that on the uh, on the sidelines through the back end of this year. So yeah, I, I think that pretty well covers uh, recent developments for Fiorentina, and I think now we have to uh, turn our attention a little bit to the World Cup because we've talked about how. So, so real quick, I just want to, I just oh, want to yeah. add, I just want to ad lib one question for you, ah, um, it over. which is a two part question. Your MVP for the first half and your most improved player, not since last year, but since the beginning of this season to where we are right now, two questions. Ooh, the first one I think has to be Sofian Amrabat. Uh, no question. I think he's been Fiorentina's best player by about a country mile this year. Uh, he hadn't had any bad games that I remember. Uh, I think that he's pretty much dominated the midfield frequently on his own. Uh, his tracking back is incredible. Uh, also, the past couple of games, he's taken some real good shots. He's played a couple of passes like into the box. If he turns into a guy who can influence a game in the final third, not just the buildup, I'd argue that he would probably be the best midfielder in Serie A, as is right now he is playing like he's right in that discussion, I think. Mm -hmm. He's just been incredible. Uh, there's no way you're going to disagree with that, right? It's got to be Amrabat for MVP. 
No, I, I agree. I agree. I, I did want to give some. I did want to give some thought to Kwame and to uh, Papa T, but uh, uh, I, I'm with you, Amrabat. Yeah, for most improved, uh, I'm gonna say it's got to be Kwame. I mean, Ikone is a uh, obviously come on in leaps and bounds, but he was pretty rough to start the season. I think. I think Chris has been really excellent throughout. I mean, he had a little bit of a stinker. Uh, in the midweek, but I think that was more exhaustion than anything. He's, he's been wonderful. And it's, I mean, I've, I've been a huge fan of his for a really long time and it's so nice to see him finally come good. Uh, one, cause I, I always wanted him to succeed at two, because now I feel like completely vindicated and that, uh, as Fiorentina fans know, you got to take those little wins wherever you can get them. And, yeah. Uh, this is definitely one of mine. Yeah. Uh, are you going to go Kwame on this one as well, or you got someone else? So, so you know, just based off of the criteria, I think he had a great start to the season. Um, so I'm going to say that he started out great as far as improved. Uh, I'm going to say that for me, it's between Ikone and actually Turchitz. I, I've been very impressed with what Turchitz has done recently. I think he's been pushing that ball um very hard. I think he's been hustling back, playing some pretty good defense. He went from a fringe player to what the hell is he doing in Serie A on Fiorentina to actually somebody who could compete for starting minutes, in my personal opinion. And as I said, he's not a small boy. I think that that's a guy who can turn into somebody pretty soon. Uh, maybe not in the second half of the year, but I think going into next year, he's somebody to look out for. So I'm going to still give it to a Kone. But Turchich gets uh, an honorable mention, even though he also got most of the time I discussed it on. Do you? Uh, here's a question: Do you think that Turchich just looks small because he's always hanging out with the two other Serbians on the team? Oh yeah, well, uh, at least one of those Serbians, because I don't, I don't know how big Jovic is either. Uh, Jovic uh, is wide. Oh, he's wide, but he's not he, tall. He's not super Turchich tall, but he's tall. He's got a, and I'm going to spell this out from producer Mike in the chat: a thickness to him. Which I think is a uh, boy. Yeah, he's a he's hefty. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Luka Jovic is built like if he'd been born in Nebraska, he would probably be playing middle linebacker instead oh, yeah. of striker. Like yeah. he's a he's a solid looking dude. He is. He is. So he I, is. I, maybe, maybe that's part of why Teretzich always looks like he's kind of a waif. That makes a little sense. I'll tell you what, man. Let's uh. Well, now that we've talked about, hey, about the Serbians too, I think this mm-hmm. is time to get into the World Cup a little bit. Uh, Fiorentina have five players going. And uh, let's go ahead and list them out for you here. For Serbia, it's Nikola Milenkovic and Luka Jovic. For Argentina, it's Nicolas Gonzalez. Although, is he even really a Fiorentina player anymore? You can say. Uh, not Poland, according to Verone. Hey. Uh, for Poland, Simon Zhukovsky. Uh, see previous question. And for Morocco, it's Sofia Namrabat. I mean, I think they're all probably going to get some minutes in the World Cup. I don't think any of them are going to just be nailed to the bench. But do you see any of them having a, a real big impact? Uh, I, I think when you take a look at it, um, going down that list, Zerkovsky, I don't see him getting a ton of meaningful minutes, but he's probably the most rested. He hasn't <laughs> played at all. So, like, what kind of form can he be in? Gonzalez, the same. I mean, he wasn't a out-and-out starter for Argentina prior to him getting injured and, and you know, using – air quotes, potentially. Um, He hasn't played in, honestly, about, what, two months? So he can't be in any real form whatsoever. 
I, I do question how many minutes he's going to get. And if he does get minutes, is he going to reward Argentina enough to want to play him again? Or is he going to be out of form and just really push himself out of it anyway? A lot of this can backfire on him and, and also uh, Fiorentina too. I, I will say though, I think that Nico Gonzalez fits a tactical function for that Argentina team that none of their other forwards do. Uh, all their other forwards are either out and out number nines or they're guys who want to be on the ball a lot. And I think that Nico uh, can serve as that extra runner in behind that all the, you know, that Messi or Dybala or uh, Angel Di Maria can find as that runner. So I think that he's going to be in some ways the most functional member of that group. And I think they might actually need him so that there's a little bit more dynamism in the team. So I would I would not be shocked if he started a few games and maybe played a really big role in this one. What form will he be in? Oh, that's the <laughs> that's the question, right? That's the yeah. nine billion lira question. No one knows. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, like you said, it's been two months. Sorry, I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. So, but... so, so then you have Jovic, who I think obviously he's playing behind somebody that we you know won't mention. Um, hey, 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 we all like Alexander Mitrovic around here, okay? Mitrovic is great. <laughs> uh, and then that brings it to the last two, which has to be Milankovic and Amrabat. So if Morocco is going to be smart and give Amrabat the opportunities that he deserves, he's up there along with Milankovic to uh, be the most meaningful and impactful players of Fiorentina in this World Cup. Yeah, I'm, I think you just ran that down super well, and I'm in full agreement. I think the... Thing with Amrabat is uh, he's he's going to be tasked with doing all the work in that midfield. And when uh, when Morocco's going to be playing against Croatia and Belgium, those are some, they got some okay midfielders uh, yeah. on those teams. And so I think Amrabat's going to be the one who's in charge of shutting them down. So that'll be really interesting to watch, see how he does against guys like uh, Luka Modric or Kevin De Bruyne. And and if he plays well and can keep them from dominating things, I think Morocco have a decent chance. They've got a lot more talent, I think, than they get they get credit for in a lot of the a lot of the press, especially in the English speaking world. And uh, Milenkovic too. I feel like Serbia are one of the big dark horses, whatever that means. Uh, football cliches, listeners, you you can talk to Adam Hurry about it. Uh, and I. But that's a tough group, and I think that uh, Milenkovic might be their most important player. Yeah, in some ways, he's—I mean, I think he's without any real question the best defender on the roster, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they play that back three system. He's going to be out on the right side of it, and which uh, is a perfect fit in. Yeah, he'll, which he's very good at. I mean, in some yeah. ways, I think that's his most natural position. Agreed. Agreed. But also, he's going to be the guy who's in charge of shutting down Neymar and Vinicius Jr. And uh, I mean, that's obviously going to be tough. But I think that Noah Okafor for Switzerland might be their most dangerous attacker. He plays, you bet, you bet uh, on that side as well. Same for uh, Karl Toko Akambi. So I think that Milenkovic, if he plays well and can shut those guys down, uh, Serbia have a real chance to make a little bit of a run. They have a great roster. And when, when I think about Milankovic and, and Serbia, the, the first thing that comes to mind is, I, I and I don't know who the captain is, but in my personal opinion, Milankovic should be the captain of that squad. Do you Ooh, know wow. who it is? Uh, 
Let me see. Now. Let me think real quick. It's not Mitrovic. Actually, I've been working on an article about a Fiorentina's World Cup player, so I just looked this up, and I remember Mitrovic. I was surprised wasn't the captain. He's the the vice captain, I think. It, you know, I'll get a I'll get a, a, a lashing later from from producer Mike saying never ask a question only the answer to. But anyway, it's a, <laughs> it's, a it's a topic worth being discussed. It, it, you know, I wish personally Milankovic was was the captain of Fiorentina, and I think that you know some of those rumors potentially and and rumors we'll get into them um, would go away if he was the captain. Although kind of it's the opposite based off of Fiorentina history. Um, it, it, he he just seems like he is the most important player and I, I get it. They have another striker there. That's, you know, pretty good and probably going to rely on, but everything goes through him. I mean, he is the quarterback of that defense. He's vocal. He's the guy who stands up. He's the guy who gets people moving. Like he, he, he is the most important player in my opinion, a Fiorentina and has to be uh, with Serbia. No, I, I think that's fair. Uh, I, he is definitely one of the most important players players for for both of those teams i think and yeah i think a lot of how serbia does is gonna is gonna rely on him but yeah i think that's uh about all i have for the for the world cup uh unless you want do you want to do any predictions for it i don't particularly because no i i i predict yeah. that uh it's unfortunate that fiorentina had their momentum taken away based off of the shit scheduling of giving it to qatar and having it during the uh, middle of the season because it's so goddamn hot there and nobody should be playing soccer there because it's a awful idea based off of many awful, awful ideas. Yeah. I think I'm with you. I, I mean, again, other people have covered this, I think pretty effectively, so we don't have to get into it, but yeah, just, just your uh, daily reminder that holding the world cup in Qatar uh, especially at this time of year, or really at any time of year, is absurd and stupid and bad. And uh, it's a good thing they made their money. Good, good thing, good thing, good yeah. thing. Yeah. All right. Uh, tell you what, man. Do you want to do the uh, the thing where we highlight a player from the Fiorentina Femminile, a Loni, and a Primavera player, and then go into the break before we get a uh, a very special guest on for a uh, for a quick interview. <laughs> Uh, sure. I, I don't even, I didn't, I don't have anybody prepared to be honest. Ah, dang it. Well, now I feel like a doofus for, uh, for throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing. We have a producer, Mike, who it's, thinks we're all number one. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I, I have a feeling we might end up being number 11 here in a sec with two ones next to each other. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I for think it. for the feminine, I'm going to give it to, uh, Milica Mijatovic, uh, She's got two goals in her past three games and three all together this year. And I got to be honest, man, I was completely underwhelmed with her signing. I mean, she's 31-year-old Serbian international, can play pretty much anywhere in the attack, even a little bit back in midfield. But, yeah, out wide as a 10, as a striker. No, she she came from Roma. She only made seven appearances last year. And it's like, what? what's the upside here? And she's been great, actually. She's been really good, uh, and I think she's made a big difference uh, in this attack. I think that just the the balance that Fiorentina have up front there right now with uh, her and Vero Bocchete and uh, Daniela Sabatino, obviously, still there. Like, there's there's just so many players who can uh, 
who they have who can get in on goal. And uh, I feel like every time we do this, I'm I'm highlighting another one. So yeah, this this time it's definitely Miatovich's turn, especially after a nice little run uh, over the past few weeks. Uh, tell you what, for the for the Lonies, man, I hate that I have to say this, but it's got to be Alexander Kokorin. I think mm. he's I think he's found his place at Aris Limassol. He's got four goals this year. He's scored a couple in the past three weeks. Oh. And more than anything, I think what he's doing really, really well this year is not being in Florence. And I've been super impressed with that. And I, I want to commend him on not being in Florence. And I hope he can continue that run uh, forever, really. Yeah. I would be thrilled. He's doing a really good job of throwing a whole bunch of shade at Fiorentina from over there as well, which is perfectly fine by me. Yep. You know, talk about us from from afar. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, you know, tearing it up with Aris Limassol, uh, with respect, I don't think that scoring in Cyprus is the same as scoring in Serie A. So he is welcome to do that. And uh, we are all welcome to draw our own conclusions, I think. Uh, mm. For the Primavera, the guy I want to uh, flag up is actually, this one's actually a little bit more fun. So let's let's end on the, uh, on the slightly better note here. Uh, Tommaso Martinelli, I think, has got to be the guy, right? Uh, he's the goalkeeper. He's from Banjo Aripoli. And he's starting, he started 10 games for the Primavera this year. He's only 16. And he looks incredible. He's kept nine clean sheets in those 10 games. And some of that is that he's got a really good defense in front of him. But a lot of it has been him. Uh, he's been incredibly good coming off his line. He's been great uh, against crosses, which are things that younger goalkeepers usually struggle with a lot. And he's He's got the reflexes. He's He just looks like he is a future star. I mean, it's obviously really hard to project out from a kid who's 16 as a goalkeeper. But uh, just just one, to, uh, just one stick in your memory bank, because I think he's going to be really, really good. And I, I've enjoyed watching him in, a, in some sort of limited circumstances, because the Primavera usually play at like 3 a.m. my time, so I haven't seen as much of him as I'd like. But he's been so impressive, and yeah, can't wait to see more of him. All right, and with that, let's head into a break, and we'll come back with a special guest afterwards. What a lovely break we just had. And now I would like to welcome into our studio uh, a Fiorentina expert, passionate fan, dedicated, huge friend of the website and the podcast, really been instrumental in everything we've done for the past several years. Very handsome and guy, too. Very handsome. Just got handsome. back from Florence. Hey, Mike McCormack, let's hey. talk about your trip to Florence. What's hey. going on, man? Let's, let's get a little bit more into that. Hey, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, I hear I hear wonderful things about the podcast, the host that we have here, and also the producer. Um, it's it's nice to be back on. Um, yeah, you know, Florence, Florence, Florence. Just got back uh, from a week over there. Um, you know, for, let me let me first say this: it was it was a different experience because 
um, you know, leaving here was really hard because I have a two-year-old daughter. Um, it, it was really hard leaving. And, and a couple of times, like I even thought I wasn't going to go. Um, but that, that was the first thing that I'll say is, is you know, priorities certainly change along the ways there. Uh, but I did, you know, made it out there and, uh, you know, got in touch with a lot of people that, to be honest, I, I just haven't seen in, in about three years. And, uh, you know, relationships are important to what we do. Um, relationships that we've built over the years uh, with, with journalists, with fans, with viola clubs, um, right, you know, just normal, regular people that are just absolutely fucking awesome. It, it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to get back there after a few years and, and just give hugs, you know, give kisses. Um, sit down with people and, and understand how life has changed for the good, for the bad. And, um, you know, just, just catch up. And, and for me, you know, I, I said it on my, my, my message as I was leaving Florence and this was the first time. And, and I've been there many times. This is the first time that I've been in Florence where I did not do one thing that was a tourist related. I didn't step foot into a museum. Whoa. Um, it had nothing to do with any of that type of stuff. It was all just seeing people, you know, friends of friends of Viola Nation and, and Viola Station and, you know, going to the favorite restaurants and talking to the people that we, you know, we've, we've had on here. And as you go into different storefronts or restaurants and you still see the Viola Nation magnets on there. And if you don't see them, you give them the magnets and stickers. <laughs> um, that's what it was, was absolutely all about and because of that you know just the people that are there uh it was an amazing experience which probably outside of you know my wife and i taking our honeymoon there uh for different reasons uh which was a an amazing experience um you know this was this was probably the the highlight of my trips to uh to florence just hands down amazing yeah that's I'm so glad you made it over there. So you you were there for the uh, for the Salernitana game and then yeah. for the uh, Sampdoria game, yeah. Yeah. So so, so what, flew where, in. where'd you go for uh, Salernitana? Because you, you didn't you didn't make it all the way down. You didn't go with the traveling sport, right? So so Sampdoria was away, Salernitana at home. Or yeah, no, I'm sorry, I got that backwards. <clears throat> yes, I I tried to arrange it so that I can go up with ACCVC. So uh, as part of uh, Viola Club New York, Viola Club New York is a an official fan club uh, that goes through ACCVC, which has its headquarters across from uh, the Artemi Franchi. Uh, got in touch with them just a little bit late. You know, I made a decision that I had a couple friends that were going up, uh, Massimiliano Lele, who's um, from Europe and, and, and runs uh, Europa Viola. Um, you know, he had some friends that were going. I knew a couple others that were going. And I was like, all right, you know, let me get past my fears of going to an away game. Let's 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 jump into this, um, uh, you know, all the way in. And, and I did get in touch with them. But by the time that I did uh, uh, request a, a seat on the uh, the bus, uh, all the tickets and, and uh, all the seats were taken. So couldn't get up there, but I did end up just reaching out to a friend of mine who uh, lives out in Scandici, um, 
and uh, arranged to watch uh, the game with him and his family, who were actually just coming into uh, Porta Prato in Firenze, which is a Rossi neighborhood, by the way. We'll be talking about the Rossi quite a bit. So uh, met up with with uh, uh, Gianni, who somebody will probably get on the podcast here. He's in charge of the the official Rocco Camisto fan club. And back in the days when I was actually part of that and helping to organize <laughs> and bring people bring, bring people Ooh, in. Boy. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, huh? <laughs> well, it's been it's been at least a month. Um, you know, he, he very very good, very dear friend, and we built a, a really good friendship. So, you know, we met up. Uh, you know, went out, uh, got some, got some food, had a couple of drinks and then went over to my buddy Enrico's house and, and Enrico, uh, had a nice spread, you know, nice, nice, beautiful apartment. Um, watched the game, learning some more Italian, you know, just, just enjoying being with people. So I would say all in all, there's one, two, you know, probably about, uh, eight or nine of us that were at the, uh, at the house watching the game and, and, uh, Towards the end, took some pictures, and 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 again, it was just, it was just awesome, you know, to sit in the house and watch the game and and have conversations, drink some wine. Um, it, it's just an awesome experience to be around amazing people, and and that's what it was all about. So, that that was that was the the Sampdoria game, and that was uh, a really good game. Um, you know, people were happy went out after the game to a couple of restaurants and bars. Johnny was driving us around and uh, we went to his old stomping grounds, which is uh, uh, over in the Verity, uh, the green neighborhoods. And, and then we drove up to Piazza de Michelangelo. And then eventually that was that, but uh, um, it, it was a good game for the Sampdoria. Nice. Man, that, that sounds just about right. Uh Dang, dude. And then, and then you were in the in the stadium for Salernitana, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, officially, there's only one way for non-Italian citizens to get tickets. And, and we'll state it here for everybody. Uh, we tried every other way that you can get them. There's only one. You have to go up to Viola Point, and there's only one anymore. None in Piazza della Repubblica. None inside of Mercado Centrale. So now it's all just two blocks away from the stadium. So you have to hoof your ass all the way up there. Um, I went to the game with Amalia Culp. Um, you know, so the two of us met in, in, in Altrano and walked all the way up. We're like, oh my God, we both forgot our passports. And Ooh. we're like, all right, let's just go, let's just go see. Let's just go see. Maybe we can get in. And we had our we have our driver's license and and that was fine. So you don't need your you don't need your passports. Uh, probably just need still to have those, though, photo just ID. to be safe. Let's be honest here. Like you, you just need your photo ID for there, and then also to get into the stadium. So a, a bit of a, a best practice, you know. That's one of them. So so we uh, yeah we sat in Tribuna, uh, over near uh, the Cuerva, uh, in between two families with with it was actually three families, but two of the two of the three families had uh, you know probably boys that were ten to thirteen years of age. Maybe oh, nine to like 13 years of age. Just that perfect age to get real into it, huh? They, let's just say, they were really into it, especially during all of the uh, chants that were going back and forth with Salernitana. And uh, the, 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 the looks that their mothers were giving these kids <laughs> as these chants were going on was precious, honestly. 
um, of all the things that I took out of that game was just seeing these two mothers look at their, 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 you know, 10, 12 year old kids, uh, you know, chanting back as our Corvus chanting over to theirs. And uh, it was, it was amazing. And that, that reminds me when I, when I went and saw uh, Fiorentina Atalanta on my honeymoon a few years ago, kind of the same thing. There was a kid sitting in front of us who spent the whole game making fun of Atalanta players for diving. I don't remember who it was, but there was, ah, uh, there was someone, Atalanta player who went down in a heap and he leaned out and was yelling in, in Italian, obviously like, oh no, you're paralyzed. You'll never walk again. <laughs> I was translating it for my wife and she was just dying laughing. And yeah, I, I think that's one of the stadium experiences that people forget about it's not just the ultras it's the the families and a lot of the time these kids just having a blast and it's um, so much fun to see and just, it, and just be in the it middle made of. It. it made it it made the experience that much better um you know it, it was nice before the game i did go over to uh the accvc headquarters for the first time met with a bunch of people there uh got a lot of contacts dropped off our our magnet and sticker uh, made a post there as far as, uh, um, you know, a couple of the relationships that we're building. And then also the, the main sign that's there, which now has a Viola Nation sticker. Uh, a lot of, lot of interesting news that's coming out of it, which we, we won't get into here. Uh, we'll, we'll look into how we're going to get into it over the next couple of days and weeks. Um, but, you know, then, then it, it was all about the typical stuff, you know, the, the going and, and getting a sandwich and hitting up all the, the little uh, tents with, with Fiorentina gear. That's really cheap. And the different scarves that they have. And which, uh, which, which sandwich did you get? That's the real question here. Porchetta. I went with well, the porchetta. Well, uh, from which, uh, which stand? Uh, so it's, it's, they only serve uh, the pork sandwiches. It's all the way. So at, at outside of the, outside of the Corvette Fiasole, uh, if you go all the way through that area and off to the right, it's the last stand. Yeah, with the the one with the little old lady in there. Yep. 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 Yeah, she's she's the one that hit up. Yeah, yeah. Good sandwich. Nice. So, uh, yeah, did, did did the usual stuff there. Had a whole bunch of people that came up to me, recognized me, whether it was somebody that I knew beforehand or just saw like pictures of other people that I was taking them with. It, it, it was it was just nice to see you know, people engaging, um, with others and, and, and also, you know, somebody from, from the States who's an international fan, you know, see, seeing the international fan community, getting some, some love and respect. Now that, to be honest, that, that I, I think I can speak for both of us is, is why we do this. You know, we want to see a lot of these fans that love, uh, Fiorentina as much as anybody who lives locally there, you know, get the, get the appreciation that they deserve. And, and that type of change is, is coming. You know, we see all the scarves that are out, you know, there's just as many scarves from many other places that there are, you know, just all the local ones, you know, got to, got to say hello to a couple people that we've done articles on, um, take a couple pictures and, you know, put some posts out there, just thanking them. It, 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 it was a nice, really nice experience. Uh, and then we got into the game, you know, game time. Um, which, which is always, you know, wonderful to hear once the, once the, the, the music comes on, da, 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 you know, and, and all of a sudden everything, everything goes as it should. That, 
That sounds pretty good. And I, so you were in the Tribuna. I, just out of curiosity, were you uh, were you sitting anywhere near to uh, to a certain uh, unnamed uh, uh, owner of Fiorentina who we won't name on this podcast for fear of uh, further retribution? Uh, I don't think the Della Valley were close to me. Um, uh, they, 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 I think, uh, yeah, the, the Della Valley, uh, I don't think they were anywhere near me anyway. Um, no, I, I didn't see them. Okay, Diego cool, cool, or Andrea. Cool, cool. Yeah. Cool. Just wanted to check our, uh, you yeah. know, Fontaleo Corvino or, um, I, 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 I spoke, or, yeah, uh, Mancucci's great. Spoke with him. Um, <laughs> I did not see him though. Uh, too bad. Too bad. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways. Yeah. No, that's man. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Anything about the, uh, about the game stand out. It's just, cause it, it's just so different being there in person than watching on a screen. Oh. Like, it just, it changes the way that you see the game in it such does. a big way. So like you, you mentioned uh, earlier, Alexa Turcic just being bigger and faster than he, he looks on TV or on a laptop. Any, any other takeaways from that? Uh, and he, he he's a guy who plays bully ball, man. People people bounce off of him. Uh, you know, sit, sitting near the Corva was awesome. Um, honestly, when, when I used to come to the stadium as as press, I, I the, the tickets that I got were just probably fifteen rows below where I would sit as as a press officer. Um, so it was always near the Corva, and you would see all the chants and the flags wave, and and it just so happened that where I was sitting. When uh, Jovic scored his goal and they negated it, well, a couple seconds later, VAR, there it is, and everybody starts celebrating. So you get the phone out and you're hoping you're not going to, you know, fat thumb this thing and, and you start filming it. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the video came out phenomenal. Uh, yeah, you know, it and did. It, it was, it was just a, just just a authentic celebration from all of those fans and you know seeing Jovic embrace the 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 Cuerva, um what yeah. was honestly the happiest moment that I got from that game because yeah there's there's been a lot of contention there and just seeing that happen was was just special and uh hey let's you know what that's another assist from none other than Ricardo Sapanara yeah uh, he, he mentioned that uh he was the one who told Jovic while they were reviewing that Hey, if they if they give it, go celebrate under the curva. Trust me, yeah. they're gonna love it. And did did you did you get to see did you get to see the Ricky whispering in Jovic's ear about that? Uh, no, because everybody was speaking amongst themselves, trying to figure out if 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 uh, if it was a goal or not. Like, hey, did you see it? What did the line look like? That type of thing. Um, so so no, n- none of that was going on, which then gets back to the fat thumbs. Like I'm trying to pull out my phone and then try to take the video because we're not even watching the official. Everybody's talking amongst themselves, trying to figure out what everybody saw. Yeah, well, I mean, that's don't don't let the don't let the referees in Italy hear you say that because they want everyone watching them, and we all know that. So they're just going <laughs> to try to be a little bit more outrageous now every yeah. time. Yeah. Dang man, that's that's just wonderful. That's so good and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, any any other like fun stuff you got to do or people you got to see while you were over there? Oh, tr- tremendous! Like the whole the whole experience was was awesome. Um, you know, I got to meet with a bunch of members of the Viola Club Stella uh, Stella Viola, which is the new Go Women's Club. They they reorganized and rebranded. Nice. Um, that that all went smoothly. I know they're uh, they're just awesome, and I want to make I want to shout them out and make sure they're always well supported and that uh, 
everyone knows how much cool work they do. Yeah, you know, I think there's going to be some opportunities for us to uh, collaborate with them just because the the amount of, of visibility to games that we have here in the United States is less than it's been over the past five years. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that would be wonderful because I yeah, there, if, if you're not aware uh Fiorentina used to stream all the women's game on the yeah. games on their website and on Facebook. And now that they have a, a, a national broadcaster, that's no longer the case. Yeah. But because it's national broadcaster, there's no way to watch in the U.S. for the most part or from any other country. So except for the uh, Coppa Italia games, we're not going to get to see much of them. Uh, and that's been really tough. I've I haven't gotten to watch nearly as much of the Feminile as I'd like. Uh, also, because living on the West Coast, they usually play at like two or three a.m. my time. And that's uh, that's real tough for me these days. Got to be honest. So, yeah, if, if you can. If you can set up something with them where we get a little bit more, uh, get a little bit more coverage of that, that would be so cool. And I would love, I would love uh, Viola Nation to reflect that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was nice because uh, um, Jacopo, who's who's been the president of the the Viola clubs for them, invited me over to the headquarters. I was supposed to go see the practice that didn't play out as as it was supposed to. Hmm. Mm. Um, I yeah, wonder think, why that. I wonder what think, could have possibly happened there. Mm. I, th- I think it was, you know, just like producer Mike. Uh, they thought I was number one. Maybe, yeah. maybe they were saying they were only going to let one person in there, and you showed up with a group. Was that was that what it was? Maybe I was the group. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, uh, you know, it was nice because I I got to make a trip out of uh, out of the city, and it was you know within walking distance. I mean, it was. Know, two miles away from from where I was staying, so I, I walked out into areas that I've never been a part of, and it was pretty cool. Got to go to the Viola Club headquarters, and and you know, got the new scarf, uh, got a history book of of the Go Women's and and the old Ooh. scarf. Oh, I'm gonna have to take a look at that next time yeah. I'm uh, up around Philly. Yeah, you know, it was it was a great experience meeting with Jacopo. Uh, Andrea, who, and, and if, if anybody watches the games, you'll, you'll always see a guy who has the, the megaphone in the, uh, in the fan section. That's Andrea, one of the most amazing people that you'll ever meet. And we went out for, uh, uh, for some coffee and, and just had a nice conversation again in, in a, in a park, uh, that had a cafe that probably nobody's even knew that was there. Um, you know, my, my best travel advice is go make friends with people from Florence. They will take you to the most amazing spots. Uh, yeah, what else happened? So, you know, we we, we did a lot of restaurants, um, so many restaurants. And and I think at some point now we'll, we'll start putting out like recommendations. Uh, Massimo Basile recommended one. Um, uh, Trattoria, Trattoria de, uh, de Pazzi. Uh, which is right next to Teatro de Verdi. So I, I, it, like, I was the only tourist in there, and and Paolo, who's who owns the place, um, as soon as you go in there, like if he knows you, he's singing to you. Like you guys have a song that he sings, <laughs> and he comes up and he just starts singing to you. Uh, it was so a great you're, experience. You're saying Trattoria de Pazzi? There was some kind of conspiracy to uh, to get you in there as the uh, as the only non-Italian. <laughs> Well, you know, had I had I thought about conspiracy theories with the Pazzi, I don't know if I would have gone originally, but 
Uh, it was Vasily's recommendation. So of course I'm going. Um, yeah, it, listen, I, I think what we'll do is at some point probably put together a list of restaurants that we think are just absolutely amazing, well worth the experience. And, and that you had the local experience, phenomenal food. And that was probably the least amount of money I spent in any of them. Bottle of wine, uh, first course, second course. And of course, me has to be tiramisu. Every time I go has to be the 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 deconstructed tiramisu that they have in Florence. Absolutely amazing. Uh, that was 50 euros for, for like a bot. And, and, and it was a really good bottle of wine, too. So, I mean, like half of that was probably a bottle of wine. Um, so that that I think we'll do uh, a lot of restaurants that we can go through. And, you know, let's cover the other highlight. We, we've we've talked about it for what, three years, maybe trying to do something with Calcio Storico. And, you know, that's been a goal of mine to try to do some coverage. And and now that we don't have much coverage, uh, now that we're no longer recognized as press and having those things taken away, um, you know, what, what we're going to do is, is leverage other relationships that we have and try to, you know, again, keep everybody that are, are fans of Fiorentina, fans of, of, of Florence, close to the city and close to everything that goes on. Um, yeah, I, I've been friends with Ricardo Labui, who's uh, on the Rossi for, I don't know, six months or so. And uh, when I was over there, I reached out to him, said, hey, like, listen, can we meet up to have a conversation, do an article on you? Drinks and food are on me. And uh, yeah, the, the, the dude is a dude. Like when I say he's a dude, he, he's a scary guy, but he is. <laughs> and, and everybody that, that I knew before uh, that knows him, like he, he's the biggest teddy bear. He was the sweetest guy that you could ever come across as long as it's not in a dark alley and he didn't piss him off beforehand. Um, just a, a really, really good guy. He gave us so much information on um, everything Calcio Storico, you know, from his history, as far as why it's so important to him, you know, where the passion comes from, how they train, you know, what does training look like year round? Uh, what is the experience, you know, like when you go to the club and you, you run into a, a you know, Azzurri or, or, or Bianco or something, like, you know, and, and when is it safe and when is it not safe? And how many people have actually fled the city because, you know, they did something they shouldn't have done during a game and they're no longer welcome in Florence. Um, it was an amazing conversation with an amazing guy. And I think it's going to open up a lot of doors for us, especially with the Rossi. And I'm going to see if we can then use that. Uh, is it the uh, Edzori producer, Mike? Is that is that your neighborhood? So, you know, I, I can't, I can't cheat on my guys. I have to, I have to stick with the Azori. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you do some of those articles. Uh, Tito, Verdi, Azori. Bianco. I'm, I'm around for any of them, man. See, there you go. I mean, there's so, no part of Florence I'm not interested in hanging out in. See, there you go. So, um, yeah, so, so we'll look, we'll look out for that. I, I still have to get everything translated the right way. So I have to, uh, I have a lot of work I need to do on that piece, but a uh, lot of good stuff coming down the road there. And, and then also, you know, we were able to get in touch with some museums um, already with one of those. We did get information, best practices, uh, some pictures, 
and some follow-up that we'll be doing to put together some some best practices for people who are visiting in Florence. And it's not just a game. Like, what else should you be doing? We'll be putting that together, and that's the the Bargello. And hey, maybe maybe this time next year we will have another. Uh, we'll be finally be able to get a group over there, like we were supposed to do last year before uh, you know that whole thing happened. So yeah. I mean, maybe uh, maybe we'll be able to see a bunch of y'all at those places. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, yep. Hey, Mike, you got anything you want to add before we uh, before we call this off? No, yeah, you know, like I said, I mean, it, from from my standpoint, uh, the only advice that I can give to people um, is is just go over there and respect the people, respect the city, and listen to them. You will find the most amazing people out there and a whole bunch of friends that'll last a lifetime. That's that's what makes Florence Florence. That's what I think you should be doing. And of course, then at no doubt, like, of course, go see the Uffizi. Of course, go see the Academia. Of course, you know, go see the orchestra. Um, but make sure you don't overlook the people. The people are the biggest and most real treasure that Florence has. That is the most important part of what they do. Viola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Producer Mike produced this episode. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from violanation.com. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola. Podcast Network.